Shall we stand at the reading of God's Word? Exodus 12, verse 22, and you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out, of the, go out at the door of the house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side, door, two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door, and he will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass that when your children say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That you shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, and you shall pass over, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, and who, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed their head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, and from the firstborn of the Pharaoh that sat on the throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that it was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up into the night, and he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night, and said, Rise up, get ye forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as ye have said. And take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people, that they might send them out of the land in haste, for, the, for they said, we, are, we be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, and their kneading troughs, and being bound in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of the Lord, and they bowered of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men, besides children. And a mixed multitude went up with them, went up with them, flocks and herds and even much cattle. And they baked unleavened cakes of dough and, and that were brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry. Neither had they prepared, the, prepared for themselves any victual. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel, which dwelt in Egypt, were about, was about 430 years. Let's pray. Fathers, we bow before you this morning. We are grateful for new beginnings. How each of us in our lives have, have needed a new start, a new journey a new direction, and a new life. And fathers, we look at this morning at the lives of the children of Israel. Help us to see our lives mirrored in their lives. And Lord, we are grateful for those who redeem us, who, who lead us forth out of bondage and slavery 
for the Moseses in our lives who were gentle and who were shepherds. Lord, this morning we would pray that you would bless us to the, the reading of the word. Might we grow thereby, for as we wait upon you, we ask it in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, you may be seated. Well, some of life's best things come through waiting. One of those things is just illnesses and, and sicknesses. I had to think of the time that my wife went through her heart attack, and, and it seemed just like in a moment's time, it was a normal day, we came home, and all of a sudden my life was thrust into, just turned upside down. A life was... All of a sudden, it was EKGs, and tests, and blood tests, and stents, and surgery, and it just, it just seemed, it, we didn't know whether, what was going to happen, whether our journey was going to end. And what a blessing it was when God turned the page and brought, started to bring healing. What, what a great moment that was as she began to experience physical and emotional healing. Having a child can be like that as well. Uh, for a number of years, we waited for a child, and it just didn't seem to happen for us. And, and uh, remember the moment that uh, my wife took a pregnancy test, and it was blue. What a great moment. And to, to see my wife with child, I, I thought she was one of the most beautiful moments of her life. I thought she just glowed when she was with child. And she doesn't remember it like that. And uh, remember the, the night of going to the hospital and pacing the floor and rubbing my wife's back and trying to ease the, the contractions that she was experiencing. Remember that moment that my daughter was born and the doctor placing into my hands and remember looking at those little hands and feet. I, if you're like me, you start counting, making sure you didn't get gypped. <laughs> and... Uh, what a great moment. But spiritually, sometimes those moments come also by waiting. Spiritually can be equally true. Which one of us hasn't spiritually wandered? Been spiritually adrift and parched in the desert, enslaved either to sin or to some unhealthy situation. And life seemed hopeless. And it never seems to change. But this morning, I want to introduce to you a group of people who knew all about this, and they are the children of Israel. For some 400 years, the children of Israel were slaves, living under the cruel Pharaoh who no longer knew Joseph or anything about Joseph. He didn't care about the children of Israel. All he cared about was one thing, that the brick manufacturing operation kept going. From sunup to sundown, they made bricks. <clears throat> building cities and monuments to these Egyptian gods, these false gods. That was their life, sun up to sundown. And they cried out to God, and God seemed to be silent for years and years. For centuries, he seemed to be silent. Was God ever going to keep the promise that he had made to them? 
Genesis, he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land, and that is not theirs, and they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them for four hundred years, and that also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward they shall come out with a great substance. Imagine being under the hand of those cruel taskmasters and knowing that you have this promise, but it just doesn't seem to, to happen. And suddenly, God answers. He sends an 80-year-old sheep herder, a felon with very few life accomplishments. Probably his greatest thing on his resume was just 40 years of caring for sheep. And he becomes God's spokesman. And God sends one plague after another upon Egypt and perhaps still bearing the scars of the boils and the lice and the, all those plagues, he sends the tenth and final plague. And with that dried lamb blood on the door and the lintels of their, their homes, those, those run-down shanties, they lived in ghettos in, in Goshen. The death angel comes. And a great feeling, a great cry goes up from Egypt. And Pharaoh finally surrenders. We have his surrender in verse 30. It says, And Pharaoh rose up in the night, and he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. I can't even imagine that. Some time ago, I spoke to a local area pastor who told me he had conducted 14 funerals in the past year at his, his congregation. He has a rather large congregation. I couldn't imagine that either. But that was nothing compared to Egypt. You can understand the words of Pharaoh in verse 31 when he says, he called Moses and Aaron by night and says, Rise up! Get ye forth from my people, both ye and the children of Israel. Go, serve the Lord as ye have said. Take your flocks, be gone, and bless me also. In other words, Pharaoh was saying, get out. I've had enough. But not only was Pharaoh anxious to see them leave, all the people were. If you'll notice, it says in verse 33, and the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they all said, we all be dead men. They said, if these people don't live, we're all going to be gone. In verse 34, it said, The people took their dough before it was leavened, and their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. If you recall, during the time of the Passover, it was called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the reason being, they left Egypt in such a hurry that the bread didn't have time to rise. It was unleavened. But they did more than gather their belongings. It says in verse 35 that the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment. In verse 36, the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so they lent them such things as they required and they spoiled the Egyptians. Some of you might be wondering, what do they need gold and silver for? 
They weren't going to be running any Walmarts or Myers where they were heading. But you know, God had a marvelous plan ahead for them. In the future, they would need gold and silver for their worship. It's part of God's plan. Don't you just love how God does some of these things? He said, since you guys worked for 400 years for free, we're going to let the Egyptians pick up the tab. <laughs> You've got to love God's sense of humor. Now, let me help you grasp the size of this group. Verse 37 tells us the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men besides children. If there were 600,000 men, scholars seem to think there were well into between 2 and 3 million people. Can you imagine taking between 2 and 3 million people who have never gone camping before and go camping for 40 years? And on top of that, add to that, that not all of these individuals were Hebrews. In fact, verse 38 tells us, And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and the flocks and the herds, even very much cattle. Now one expositor puts it this way, A mixed multitude went with them, literally a great rabble, slaves and persons of the lowest grades of society, partly natives, partly foreigners, bound close to them as companions in misery and gladly availing themselves to the opportunity to escape in the crowd. Numbers 11 tells us this mixed multitude was the first group to murmur when things got tough. They were the first to think about how nice we had it in Egypt. These were foreigners. And they had an 80-year-old sheep herder to lead them they didn't even know. If any of you think we, a, we have church problems, you, you know nothing about problems. Two to three million people who know what they don't want, but have no clue what they need. Can you imagine what, what it must have been like trying to just keep the peace among these people? Two to three million people. My hat's off to Moses. Leaving slavery behind, their hearts held on to the promise of a land that is flowing with milk and honey. They were all looking for that land of milk and honey. You see that in, in Exodus 13, 5. And, he's, and it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Termites that he Swear unto the fathers to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey that they shall keep this service this month. They were looking for a land of milk and honey. So physical freedom is a precious thing. You know, which one of you hasn't seen some of those pictures when the Allied forces swept into those German concentration camps in Dachau, Auschwitz, and Buchenwald? and freed those people who didn't look human anymore. 
Which one of you wouldn't have longed to have been with Ronald Reagan as he stood by the Berlin Wall and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall? And which one of you doesn't think that North Korea, those people that are, that are being tortured and starved, those people who are being brainwashed by Kim Jong-un, that they don't need freedom. How North Korea needs the gospel. You see, for those of us who have known physical and spiritual religious freedom, it seems like another world. But here were a bunch of people who were finally free. No more bricks to make. No more whippings. No more cruel taskmasters. You see, God's plan was far greater than just a physical freedom. God's plan was to bring them into a spiritual freedom. So you know what Moses did at the very first stop right at Sukkoth? I don't know how far it was from Ramses to Sukkoth. It wasn't that far. But let me show you. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel, which dwelt in Egypt, was, about, was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went forth from the land of Egypt. And it was a night to be observed under the Lord for the bringing them out of the land of Egypt. And this is the night of the Lord to be observed of all that the children of Israel and their generations and the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover, that, that no stranger shall eat thereof. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both men and beast, it is mine. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, and out of the house of bondage, for by strength of the hand of the Lord brought ye out of, this, out of this place. For there shall no leavened bread be eaten. This day came ye out of the month of Abib. And it sh and shall be when the Lord shall bring thee forth unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore unto thy fathers to give to thee a land flowing with milk and honey, that ye shall keep this service in this month. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day it shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and it shall be no unleavened bread be seen in, with thee. Neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in all thy quarters. And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This be done in that that which was the Lord did unto me, and I came forth out of Egypt. And that shall be a sign unto thee, and upon thy hand, and for a memorial between, between thine eyes, and the Lord's law be in thy mouth, for with the strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. There shall there, there, thou shalt therefore keep this ordinance in his season from year to year. You see, God says, this is a night I don't want any of you to forever forget. I want you to observe and remember this night. 
I want you to remember the bitterness of the slavery and the night that God led you to freedom. You know how appropriate it is this morning for us to remember our own Egypt and our own lost estate. You know, what a cruel taskmaster the devil can be. You know, it doesn't matter how faithfully you served him, how great the sin or the vice, it never satisfies. But remember the moment that God stepped into your Egypt and led you out of Egypt to an old wooden cross. And there at the cross, you met Christ, the Son of God. And through his blood, you found life, freedom, and forgiveness. But I want you to see something in verse 8 of chapter 13, that for you to observe the Passover, the experience had to be personal. Notice what it says. This is done because that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. For you to truly experience the Passover, there must be a personal exodus. You had to experience God personally. So God gives us four steps. The first night they had, they had journeyed out of Egypt, the very first night he gives them four steps. The first step is devoting everything to God. Notice what it says in Exodus 13 to sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children, both of men and of beast, it is mine. Devote everything to God that he requests. There's a second step that is remember. You find that in verse 2. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day, write it down. That ye came out of Egypt, not of the house of bondage. There's a third step, and that is tell your children. You see, God never intended that He be the only one that knows that you're saved. God intends that you 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 tell your story, your exodus to your children. Don't assume that your children know. Tell your children your personal testimony, what, what Jesus Christ did for you. And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because that which the Lord did unto me, and I came forth out of Egypt. There's the fourth. Keep or observe the ordinance from year to year. It's something you're, you're to celebrate on a, on a yearly basis. You're to, you're to mark your calendars. Put it in, keep it in front of you. This day's I'm going to observe what God did in my life personally. You know why this was so important? Because spiritually the... Children of Israel were far away from God in their hearts. Their life was, was all about working, making bricks. It was from generation to generation. One generation came up, 
made bricks, they died. The next generation came. They made bricks and they died. It wasn't about worshiping God. They didn't have time for God. They were under the cruel hand of Pharaoh. And all of a sudden it changes. All of a sudden they had freedom. All of a sudden there, were, there was miracles happening all around them. They'd never seen miracles. They had a freedom to choose. But they needed something to ground them. They needed something that would change them from wandering slaves to worshiping sons, from wanderers to worshipers. They needed a lifestyle change. So God gives them four simple steps to begin a journey of changing their heart. I recently learned something new. I'm going to jump ahead in the scriptures. What was the first thing you think that God did when he brought the children of Israel to Mount Sinai? Most of you probably think of the Ten Commandments, but not so. Let me show you. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it. Willingly with his heart he shall, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering that you shall take of them, gold and silver and brass, and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair, and, and ramskin dyed with red and badger skins and shittim wood, and oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and, and sweet incense and Onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplates. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. You see, the first thing that God does is says, let the people bring me an offering. I want them to bring me an offering so there can be built a sanctuary where I can dwell among the people. It was a, the foundation of God's sanctuary was not gold or silver. It was a free, willing sacrifice. The very, sacrifice, the very things that they have taken from Egypt, they now brought before the Lord. You know, a sanctuary was possible because people gave. You know, this morning as I look across this sanctuary and at all of you, and I'm kind of reminded of the mixed multitude of Egypt in a good way. Our, our backgrounds are varied, and that none of us really knew much of each, much knew each other well before starting attending here. And even few of us would have, would have chosen each other as great church building material. Most of us have in our backgrounds some Egypt or some unhealthy church situation. And how we all needed a new beginning at one moment or another in our lives. 
We extend new beginnings to everyone who comes here. And in this congregation, we, we value our freedom. Freedom to be who God made each of us individually. A freedom from coercion. A freedom to heal. A freedom to worship. And I believe that all of you desire to experience worship in a real and authentic way. Worship in some ways is hard to explain, but the best I could tell you, once you've experienced it, you just know what it is. And what a great moment it is for us to stop and to pause and to remember, to celebrate our exodus. The reason worship can take place in this church is because God is here. And like the children of Israel, you're surrounded by people who give. This morning I want to invite you on a journey with the children of Israel. We're going to be journeying with them. And as we do, uh, my prayer has been a very simple one. It's been Psalms 103.7. It says, he made known unto his, his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. My prayer is that God would make known unto you, like Moses, his ways. As we watch the acts he does to the children of Israel. I'd like to close today with the words of Donald Gray Barnhouse. He, uh, on occasion, would, would uh, after a message, would open up, the, would open up for, for questions after his sermon would open up to the congregation. And one day, uh, a young man sitting in the balcony asked him a question. He said, how is it possible that the children of Israel went for 40 years without wearing out shoes or wearing out their clothes or without ever going hungry? And Barnhouse just kind of bellers out, God! Kind of like the fourth member of the Trinity. And the young man says, oh, I, I understand. And he goes, he corrects him. He says, no, no, no you don't, son. He said, none of us understand. None of us understand. If you do it, you'd be God. Wasn't that a great answer? Let's pray. Fathers, we bow before you this morning. We are grateful for just a glimpse and a look into the, the lives of the children of Israel. Lord, I pray this morning as we begin this journey into journey with the children of Israel that be a way for us to grow and for some a new beginning and a new direction of life. I pray, Father, it would be for all of us a reason to hope, some encouragement, 
as we, as we witness and see the wonder of God's mighty hand in their life and ours. I pray, Father, as we journey together that, we, that you might be glorified through it, that we might grow in grace and in truth and in faith. We would trust you further and deeper and our worship would be even better. Father, you, we, you deserve the glory for it, for it is by your hand we are brought forth. So, Father, we give you the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.